Welcome back to Trader Talk, the podcast that focuses on trading education for beginners and experienced traders. Each episode, we will sit down with a trader to discuss various strategies and tips to improve your edge, as well as the risks associated with trading and investing. Thank you to my sponsor, eToro, for powering this series. eToro makes trading easy by giving quick access to the world's most popular digital currencies with low fees and social trading features in one simple app, allowing you to trade and invest on the go. Hey everyone, welcome back to Trader Talk. I have a special guest today. I have got my buddy Duck. He is from Crypto Twitter and he is a harmonics trader. So I'm excited to hear more about harmonics from him. How are you doing today, Duck? Hey, pretty good. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for taking time to come on. Um, so first and foremost, let's get into it and talk about how did how did you get into trading? Um, I'd have to say it happened uh, with... Um, like in, in, in silver, we call it stacking. So have a lot of physical metals. So initially I was attracted to silver, silver coins and bullion and whatnot. So, you know, naturally when you have silver coins, you are checking spot price of silver. Mm -hmm. So hence there comes a chart. So that would have been my first kind of introduction to kind of the charts was, was, from that um and you know it just one thing led to another a lot of those you know kind of stacker type minded almost prepper type of kind of people are you know a lot of bitcoin people as well kind of naturally so one thing just kind of crosses into another and just down the rabbit hole you go um but yeah i mean i've had silver for over 10 years now I started um, you know stacking just various uh, semi numismatic coins to just you know um, just your straight uh, ounces you know just getting um, silver as much of it as you can at the cheapest price possible and that that was just I don't even know what that was because you don't really make money there. You think you're going to, but the price of metals is just so stable to, to flip stuff like that. It really doesn't work. Um, so I don't know. It was almost just more of a hobby than really an investment. I still enjoy having it. It's kind of cool just having it, but I, I don't, I, I never really made a ton of money from that. Um, it was just more of an entry. So are you like a pirate and you've got like a big like chest of silver? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have precious metals and it's also good to kind of diversify. So other than silver um, and crypto, because you do trade crypto, what do you trade like commodities or options or stocks, any of that type of stuff? Yeah, for sure. Basically okay. um, everything. Um, so a lot of people naturally you know when they get into bitcoin they think that you know everything else is evil or bad or the system is bad and you know i'm not saying that they're not right but um you know you got to be open-minded about things don't just have this tunnel vision that bitcoin is the one all be all thing um in the end run you know it very well may be but right now um and for a number of years now, that's not the case yet. It's too early. Mm -hmm. The, you know, regular type of, you know, average Joe person is not 
in Bitcoin right now. So what you're, you're doing is you're investing in a market that's quite frankly not for investing yet. It's a trader's market. So if you're trying to do the whole, you know, just hold method, you're just going to get chewed up. Um, so until you realize that, you know, you're going to have some issues. Um, you're probably not going to make a ton of money, probably going to lose money actually, unless you just get lucky and happen to have came in on the dip. And that's when you were introduced and you're like, Oh, this is great. But actually that could even be a worse problem because it's teaching you a bad habit. It's teaching you that like, you're not learning it proper. You're, you're getting a misguided, um, vision of what the market really is and and the mindset you need to have to trade it you can't have that mindset um it'll ruin you um so yeah i feel like bitcoin traders it's okay to believe in bitcoin it's okay to have that i guess spot hold if you want kind of stack but um ultimately where your success is going to happen is just use Bitcoin as a market that runs 24 seven. So at any time when you have free time, cause people don't always have free time at during market hours, right? Traditional legacy market hours. People, a lot of people are working during those hours. So Bitcoin allows you to, you know, in the evening or on the weekend experience a market experience market cycles, that happen on on every market you see these um i don't want to talk about it as a fractal but you just see these similar patterns it's the natural cycle of market you you see these kind of cheat market cheat sheets thrown around on twitter here and there and you, the you find, <laughs> yeah exactly i mean you find this pattern on any market whether it's gold you know the spx bitcoin it doesn't matter you'll find this, this market cycle. So you need to just experience those. Mm -hmm. The more market cycles you experience, just then the better you get at spotting where you are within the whatever asset you're looking at at that time. So do you, do you think that dollar cost averaging is effective for people like, you know, the, the holding and then swinging later or not even just holding onto it and accumulating? Or do you think that people um, should be actively trading in crypto or with Bitcoin at least? No, I don't recommend people to be trading because you need to do a lot of learning first. I mean, yes, you got to learn by jumping, you know, in the fire. But before you just do that, you need a kind of, you know, paper trade or something, you know, get yourself a little bit of a, of a ground kind of base before you just, you know, put all your life savings in it. That's, that's not good. Cause a lot of people think the only way they're going to make money is they need to start with a ton of money. And that's incredibly incorrect. All they're going to do is lose a ton of money. So you're actually better off starting off with just, you know, a little bit. Enough where you feel the loss, but not where it affects your life, per se. 
No, I totally agree with that because I have different strategies that I use. Like if I'm margin trading, I trade with smaller positions, way, way smaller positions. And if I'm spot trading and kind of doing long-term swings, like I'll buy, I'll buy as low as I can and I'll hold a little bit and I'll just, I'll flip it and sell it later. But that's with much larger positions because the risk is a lot less, obviously, because when you're margin trading, you have to worry about your stop. And um, obviously those big old scam wicks you get on BitMEX or whatnot. So that is something to consider. So as far as, um, how did you learn to trade and how long have you been trading? Um, I've been trading, geez, about six, seven years now. Um, but initially not as much as I do now. Um, it was more of a kind of a runway into it where now, um, if it weren't for, you know, owning my own business and having to deal with it, you know, I would really be considering just, you know, going to trading full time. Mm -hmm. It I have equal passion as I do in my industry as I do in trading. So it's something I want to do, but I also don't want to leave the other industry. So I kind of stuck in the middle there. But um, yeah, I mean, initially, you know, it was slow, way different than now. Um, so, you know, a lot of time has been put into it. It's not something that just happens overnight. It was something that took, you know, tons and tons of hours of studying and learning and just, you know, being one with the chart. I agree. But was there any, like, was it, did you do YouTube videos? Did you do baby pips? Was there a particular um, book? Because you tra you're a harmonic trader, right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the harmonic um, world, um, is Mr. Bulkowski, Thomas Bulkowski, um, has a few books out, in fact, um, very easily Google-able and on Amazon. Um, so, you know, he's kind of the top of the pyramid, in my opinion, as far as harmonic traders go. Um, a lot of people in the harmonic world have learned from him. And then kind of, if you want to build the pyramid down a step from there, I like a man by the name of Casey Stubbs next as he's younger than Bukowski. So I can relate to him a little more. Um, you know, he's actively trading and these guys just, you know, they just really, really studied the material, but it wasn't them that created it. Harmonics are one of the oldest, not, I mean, They've been traded since like the 1930s. Oh, wow. So yeah, exactly, right? Could you imagine jotting all, like drawing that on paper? Like Absolutely, what you would have been doing. <laughs> wow, and then drawing each individual candle every day, that's wild if you think about it. And all the multiple time frames, if you use multiple time frames back then? For sure. And you know, back then there was very few actual technical uh, analysts. Most people were, you know, just fundamental or just different types of analysts, but the technical trader was kind of laughed at back then. It, it, you know, technical analysis isn't something that was really strong until I would say like the early 90s. So, you know, this is not that old of stuff. We're still somewhat pioneering it. And harmonics in crypto is definitely new, you know. Right. harmonics came from the legacy market so we're applying something that works there to see if it also works in the crypto market and it does yeah i think you're one of i don't know if there's anyone else i've noticed that has harmonic charts i think you're one of the 
one of the only ones. Well, I see, you know, a lot of people ask me harmonic questions. So I see a lot of variations of harmonic charts that come across my path. Um, a lot of them are not harmonics. People don't actually know how to use the tool a lot of times. Um, so it's, it's really an art. You really have to fine tune it. And ultimately, harmonics are just, you know, really, a, it's like a combination of sine wave, which people, when they hear wave, they want to say Elliott wave. Right. And to an extent, they're similar. Um, so harmonic is a, is, a, is a set of waves, but it's also based on Fibonacci. So you need to start there. So really, um, being a good fib, you know, having a solid understanding of Fibonacci is crucial. Um, so focus on that first, because um, from there is how you start to identify the harmonics and their invalidation points. Yeah, I like, I do, I use fibs for different things. I don't necessarily use them the traditional way. Like if I'm interested in entering into position, what I'll do is I'll get, grab a range that I like that I think price will react accordingly. And I'll just throw fibs on in that range and I'll kind of set my buys, my buys or sells in that range. And it seems to be pretty effective at times because Fibonacci's, I know they're all symmetrical and they're part of nature and all that stuff. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about um, about the harmonics, like how you use them, um, and just like it's to, let's I guess let's think of it as if you're going to explain it to somebody. If you've got like two minutes to explain it, or a couple sentences to explain it. So I guess what I would say is um, harmonics um, are definitely a, a crucial part of everything that I'm doing here, but ultimately they're not good by themselves. So just because you find a harmonic doesn't necessarily mean that all the outcomes are going to go like you think they are. What, what is key is that you have a combination of things. So you kind of just said it. So you were like, okay, so I use fibs and sometimes they work great. And you're right. They do work great and they can work great more and more frequent if the fib also works what I call you know coinciding variables it works alongside something else mm -hmm. so what you're doing is your harmonic is finding a spot that also lines up with the fib so you have two things kind of at reaching this meeting point together and from there you keep adding so it's like to explain it to somebody very basic, I would say, um, with anything, like you're building a house or something, right? Mm -hmm. So the harmonic is the foundation, but just because you have this solid concrete foundation doesn't mean you have a house. The fibs are like your walls. So you're starting to put together the structure, but just because you have a foundation and walls, you still don't have a house. So then, you know, the rest of our structure comes from our oscillators and, you know, with me, it's always just MACD and RSI. They're diverging oscillators. So, you know, momentum indicators, they're leading indicators, not lagging. And that's the rest of your kind of your puzzle. So you need to put all these things together. That's kind of the, the trick to it all. 
So I guess kind of, because when I first started trading, I read something and it resonated with me and I always remember it is that um, I forget who wrote it or where I read it, but they said, well, if you're trading, let's say you need to find at least confluence between three things before you make the trade. You, ha you have a checklist on your trading journal, like your RSI is bullish, MACD is bullish, um, the mm -hmm. candlestick pattern is bullish. If you can get the, your three trading tactics to align and show confluence, then you know it's okay to take the trade. Would you say that that's also true with harmonics when you're combining them with other parts of the puzzle? Yes, absolutely. So, and the reason being um, is because harmonics will um, morph from one type of harmonic into a different type of harmonic. So like um, just because you've hit, you know, the end of what you thought was the harmonic you were initially looking at, if it's not lining up with all your other variables we just spoke of, maybe that harmonic isn't actually done and it ends up turning into like um for example say you're you're at a, a your d it goes x a b c d d is the end of the harmonic say you're at a d and it's at an eight eight six and you're like okay this is the d well none of the other oscillators are aligning that eight eight six could end up running all the way up to a one six one eight which if you're looking at a fib, it's almost doubling where you right. are at that current level. So now you just turned from, you know, like a, a cipher into a, a deep crab. It didn't mean that the harmonic, you know, you were just looking at the wrong harmonic. It was a crab. It wasn't a cipher or a shark, right? So um, just because you found one didn't mean everything, right? That was just the cement. That was just the foundation. What, where's all the rest of your signals? So they weren't there when you had the cipher. But by the time you hit the 1618 on the deep crab, now all the oscillators happen to be lining up and you just weren't patient enough to wait for the actual target. And by not letting the kind of, I always tell my, you know, my boys, you gotta let the divergences speak to us. So, you know, they always wanna know, you know, where are we targeting or where's the bottom or, you know, we're too far away to know yet. We need to get a much closer to the price and then, you know, the oscillators will speak. So can you use harmonics on all different time frames, or what do you, I guess, let's just talk about Bitcoin. When you're using harmonics for Bitcoin, um, what is the best time frame to use it on or can you use it on all of them? And the reason why I ask this is because I'm sure you know, but if people that are listening don't know this, but sometimes different indicators work differently on different time frames. They're either they're faster or they're slower, they can be lagging. And it also depends how much data the market has or how long the product has been or how much data um, comes with the product. Like when you're looking at a chart, so can you talk about that a little bit? For sure. So I, I guess I would say <clears throat> the time frame, it's more the significance of it. So the lower the time frame, the lower the significance of the pattern. So yes, you can be trading the five-minute chart and you can find a perfect bullish Gartley and you'll get a little bit of a bull couple candles up for you. And of that small little pattern, yeah, you'll probably you know hit a, 618 retrace but because it was on such a low time frame the pattern plays out so rapidly that unless you're you know scalping and right on it you know it's really it didn't even really matter that it existed so for me um i'm just strictly the daily and the four hour 
okay. as far as my harmonics go. Um, you'll find them on larger time frames, but again, the time required for it to play out is, you know, takes a while too. So I find as a swing trader, I'm not really a scalper. Um, I would consider myself a swing trader. Um, the daily is my sweet spot. Um, I really like to find uh, the harmonic on the daily. Once it's there, go to the four hour, try and find uh, my coinciding pattern. May or may not be a harmonic, but it could be one of Bulkowski has other patterns. And from there, they kind of align along with the, the oscillators. And we start to create, you know, the stork. And again, it's not, how do I say it? It's not, um, still not guaranteeing that anything's gonna play out. It's just giving you an edge. Right. And as long as we always just play our edge, we only have to win, you know, a third of the trades. And that's where you start to, like a casino, bring the edge into your favor. You still don't have guarantees, but you have the edge. So how accurate do you think using the technique that you use, how accurate do you think that is? Well, you know, it's still, you know, being proven every day. Okay. Um, so, you know, constantly updating on what it can do. And I find that, um, it's really about patience. If you could find it on a high time frame, like we just said, and have the patience to not immediately enter right on that point, you're on a daily. The day still has all day to play out. Mm -hmm. There's a deeper, better entry within the day once you've reached your target area. And again, um, the a thing people confuse with harmonics a lot is, um, let's see. So we'll reach our D of the X, A, B, C, D pattern. And our D is our target entry, whether it's our long target entry or our short target entry, it's our target entry. Well, it's called um, a PCZ or a PRZ. So the PCZ means pattern completion zone. And the PRZ is pattern reversal zone. It's just two ways of saying the same thing. So what, when you say those, the key word in all that was zone. It's, mm -hmm. not a, it's not a price to the dollar, it's a zone. So yes, you can be a little bit shy of your D target, and yes, you can go a little bit past it. You're still in that zone. And there's invalidation points, sure, but we're not looking for exact dollar amounts. So we wanna kind of be layered within the zone is how I kind of fill positions. Yeah, I agree with that because even when I trade, I sometimes will draw like support and resistance boxes of areas that are important to me, areas that I think price will react to. And it, it also, it does help with accuracy and it also helps with me mentally because I'm like, okay, well, if price answers this area, just as long as it stays in this support region or this support zone or range, then we should be good. And then once I start to see a break or a close below the range, then I'm like, okay, I need to get out of this trade or, you know, when it's hitting resistance at a certain point, like my tart, my exit entry. So I totally get what you're saying with that. So as for you, as far, you talked about your edge a little bit. Um, 
and some of the things that you do, but do you have, does, are there any other things that play into your edge that you have with the, with the mechanism that you use? You know, honestly, like I try to put blinders on as much as possible. There's so much noise that's out there mm -hmm. and the noise is just going to ruin you if you let it, whether it's the mainstream media, you know, trolls on Twitter, it doesn't matter where it's coming from. There's just noise everywhere. So the noise is almost on purpose by a lot of it to distract your you from the trade you should be in you know i find people um i see them do this so much they they work so hard and they've been watching this chart for you know all month and they've had this great plan like i you know i tell them you gotta have a plan you know our plan is entering at the completion zone with our coinciding variables that's my plan what's your plan so they tell me this plan and i you know here, here's what I'm going to do, all this great stuff. And, it, and, they're, and it's good. Well, what happens is as they get near their plan kind of area, they end up getting in a trade that wasn't part of their plan. And the trade that they planned, they never end up executing. So it's almost like, okay, you're waiting all this time to, to short. We finally get there. There's the short. And... All, why are you in a long? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, geez, it's, what, what's going on here? I, I just don't get it. And they're like, oh, no, no. This is just a quick scalp up into, you know, where we're going to short again. And they, it never happens. And they end up in the long when the short starts playing out. And it's like, dude, your plan the whole time was that short. How are you, out of all of us, the one that got ruined by that? It's just, it's because they're like, oh, well, I got on Twitter this morning. I saw something different. I went with that. Nope. You can't do what that. They're doing is they're, they're not they're When you see somebody else's trade and you go with their trade and not yours, if it doesn't work out later, psychologically, you get to blame them. People cannot take the blame upon themselves. And that is huge right there psychologically. So if you can, you have to trust in your trade. If you're trading somebody else's trade, odds are you're never going to let it complete. It was not your trade. So even if it was right, you're going to end up, you know, take coming out of the trade short as far as early. I mean, or just something will go wrong. It wasn't your trade. So you, the ones that you're actually going to find the most success on are the ones that you planned that went with your strategy, your way, and it was your plan, just the whole thing. Go with those ones. Oftentimes, you find that you were right. You look back on it later, and you were like, damn it, I was right. But you didn't take that one. And I see that every day. Yeah, that's one of the things I do is, like, I have my journal or, like, my notebook, and I'll write. I'll, one of the first things I do when I get up before I get on Twitter is I look at a chart. And I look at, you know, what I'm interested in trading and whether I'm going to go long or short, I'm going to fill, you know, add to my spot, like whatever it is. And then I kind of write all that stuff down and then I'll go on Twitter because once you get on Twitter and you start seeing, you know, other people, what other people's trades are, or even start talking to other people, sometimes it can mess with your bias. And I feel like at the end of the day, as a trader or somebody that's investing, you have to take responsibility for your actions. If you screw up, you have to admit it. Um, but you can't always rely on other people. Like it's okay. Like after you 
jot down in your trading journal, okay, I'm going to go long. This is where I want to enter. This is where I want to exit. This is, you know, my, where my stop is going to be. It's like, after you have that all set up, that's great. And you enter the trade and it's good to talk to other people and get their thoughts on it. But I feel like if you talk to somebody first before you're done, like before you execute the trade or whatnot, I feel like it can change bias if they come up with something different and then it's going to mess your whole strategy up. Definitely. I mean, you're better off just having your plan, allowing your stop to mess your plan up, not somebody else's idea. Um, and I just so often, I also see people, you know, they put all these ideas out, but there's no kind of, I never really see a ton of reasoning or I only see one of the factors that I was talking about. They'll, they'll, they'll put a chart up of a pattern. Okay. But the pattern, again, the, the harmonic is the pattern. Mm -hmm. I, I, we just talked about that. A harmonic by itself does he no good without its coinciding variables. So you're showing me this pattern and you have this target, but there's nothing else there. Yeah, that might work, but flipping a coin might work too. Exactly. So <laughs> if that's the way you trade, well, you know, I'm pretty sure your P&L agrees with that you know it's showing that as well so uh, i mean yeah there's patterns are all over the place it's easy to find a little wedge or a little triangle or just something here and there and a lot of times again it's just noise unless it's on a significant time frame and it's lining up with other variables i don't know how many times i can say that like all the people that talk to me on the regular know that that's all i say so I just, I preach it because it's all that really matters in my world. I and agree with you. I've found that it works and biting it is just I mean, best of luck to you. <laughs> so you mentioned that you do have a full-time job. You do own your own company and then you do trade. Is it, how, how is that? So I guess I want to focus on somebody that's interested in getting involved in trading, but they also have like a nine to five or they own their own company. How do you, how do you, um, how, how do you deal with all that? Because it's a lot of work. For sure. Um, I guess one perk to it is, you know, my company is a technology company. So that has me on or in front of a computer a ton. Mm -hmm. um, so I have access immediate if need be versus, you know, somebody doing a different type of job may not just be able to jump on you know, their laptop or something, even if an alert goes off on their cell, they still might not be in a position to do something about it. So that helps for sure. And another thing that helps is that, um, you know, having somewhat of a, I don't want to call it a, like a support system, but almost more of a team where enough people have kind of seeked out, you know, they they see what I do and they're like, all right, can you please explain that to me? We've taken some time to learn it, you know, these various people and they, you know, we're on different schedules. So while I might be working, they might be scanning charts. Well, they kind of know what to look for at this point and, you know, we're flagging each other. So it's multiple eyes looking for the same thing at all times. So that definitely helps as well. You know, setting up alerts helps. You know, you don't need to be in front of a computer 24-7 to be a trader. 
that's actually not good. Um, you're going to overtrade and you're going to force trades and you're going to get wrecked. <laughs> oh, you're going to get wrecked. You're going to over leverage because you want something to happen now. Like you're like, okay, I'm going to log in. I want to make a trade. It has to happen now. And no, that's almost never the case. You find that like, every time you're in front of the computer, nothing's moving. As soon as you're not, that's when things are happening. Mm -hmm. So your success, um, your best success comes from having the, the plan. Okay. So we have our target entry area. We're approaching it. We don't need to necessarily watch it happen. We just need to layer accordingly, appropriately with the correct position sizing um, have our stops and set an alert somewhere in the area of your orders. That way, when they start filling, one of the things that hits is going to be an alert. Then you can go check it out if you want. But it could have taken all day for that alert to hit. And what, what if you were sitting there all day? You just wasted your whole day for nothing. So I find that like the the best trades I'll have is when like. I'm not even doing anything. I'm like at dinner or something and I get an alert. Pink prices reached, you know, this area. Go back, you know, 45 minutes later, get home or something, check it out. Not all my position fills, but I got enough that I'm in a position again. And I did it where I wanted it to happen. Um, didn't fill all of it, which is fine, which also means it never went to my stop either, which is even more fine. And here we go. From there, we, you know, we already knew by entering at that level where our targets were going to be before we even entered because it was all based on a full story, right? We, we weren't just randomly entering. We, we were entering because it was either at a harmonic entry or a different Bolkowski pattern that also have entries. They all have measured moves and certain entries and invalidation points and whatever we were up to in that particular trade, we, we already knew how the outcome was going to go. And if anything didn't go that way, we get stopped out and we're done with it. We don't go back into that trade that day. We might not even go back into that trade that week. The, the worst thing to do is get stopped out and goes down like 5%. You're immediately back in it. Now it goes down another 10%, get stopped out again, jump back in, immediately back in it, goes down another 5%, back out again. You just lost like 20% when you, you should have lost two. Mm -hmm. And th those are the most common mistakes. I agree with you on that. There, I remember there was a big move. I think I was short and the market ended up pumping. I think it was the day that the market pumped like 40% and I was short. And I just remember like, I'm like, I'm like F, like I need to, I need to make my loss up. So I just wasn't paying attention. I threw all my rules out and I shorted again and I got wrecked again. And then I shorted again and I got wrecked again. And I was like, it just, it was terrible. So I remember that now. I remember that how much money I lost. And I just remember the terrible feeling and thinking to myself, if I would have just taken a step back after I got stopped out and just, you know, let the market cool down, 
then I could have entered in maybe in a couple hours or even the next day or even maybe later that week after that move cooled down. And then I could have made my money back and more, but I didn't. So I always remember that now. And then uh, back to what you're saying about not about you essentially are kind of out of a computer like all the time because your your regular job is in tech. Um, I once had somebody tell me that you can't, if you want to trade, you can't trade part-time. It has to be full-time only. Me personally, I don't agree with that because I trade part-time because I work on some other things as well. But do you think that somebody has to trade full-time or do you think that they can just kind of trade at their leisure? Um, I think you could trade at your leisure. I think full-time is just saying that you have to do it you know, as your, whatever you want to call it, your nine to five, and you always have to do the nine to five with it. Um, no, I don't think that has any validity to it at all. Um, cause I find again, like if I was doing that versus what I just explained, I'm going to make less money doing that. So how can that, how can that be justified when if I do it the other way, almost a part-time leisure way, I make more money. So there's that's completely throws it out in my book. It just means they haven't figured out how to do something. It doesn't mean my system is the only way to do it. There's a bunch of ways to do it. You just have to find one that works for you and you have to stick with it. You have to set rules. Trading, the reason people are attracted to trading is because you can be your own, you can, you can separate yourself from the system, right? You can be your own boss. You can go trade on a beach. You can live this lifestyle that's everyone wants, right? That's the, that's why people are, are, you know, get attracted to it. And what also comes along with that is you get to go trade on a beach that nobody tells you what to do. You could be drinking at 10 AM doing blow. It doesn't matter. Well, that's because there's no rules. That's why you like it. Well, when there's no rules, there's no rules. Well, you're not following rules anymore. Nobody's there to tell you. You have to find it in yourself to self-govern, make rules. Nobody, yeah, you can find some rules that people have recommended, but literally you have to make your own kind of internal government in your mind and, and keep yourself from doing bad shit because you guys are out of control. I, I, I agree with that. I think that trading is a, a lot, a big part of it is self-discipline because mm -hmm. it's, <laughs> like I said, I got knocked out of that when I was short and when the market pumped, like it's just, you, you have to have rules and you have to stay with them. And if I would have followed my rules, then I would have been okay. Um, can you talk about your best and your worst trade? Um, worst trades are doing, you know, it, it was, years ago but it was similar to like what you just said it just on these crazy pumps just chasing them complete FOMO recklessness no rules over leveraged just sloppy and it was when you know Bitcoin was 1900 bucks so losing like eight of them oh my gosh nine of them in one day it wasn't yeah that still hurt then but think of it now or think of it when those were were 20k right it was just stupid wow um so i mean yeah mainly just that just 
no discipline, no rules. It was, it wasn't any particular asset. It was just multiple stupid assets on stupid pumps. And there, there was no reason to even be in trades like that. There's no, when something's running like that, if you're not already in that trade and it's running your direction, you have no business trading it. You can watch it. It's entertaining. Get some popcorn, <laughs> but don't get in. All you're doing is buying all the smart money's bags, exactly what they want you to do. You're just filling their, their orders. They're exiting their position right into you, into yours. And no good will ever come from that. Um, you'll learn some lessons. Maybe you'll only do it a few times. Hopefully you're going to do it once at least. So just get it over with and learn from it. But I mean, it, that is not smart trading. If you're trying to do things like that, trying to get on those, what's that stupid guy from Florida? Tika, Tika, Tika pumps, whatever. He has that newsletter, Tika. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I, th do oh I think I saw that guy. <laughs> they just do these pump and dumps, right? So it's like, I mean, if you're trying to, you're literally, literally better off at the casino. The casino at least will set ground rules for you. Mm -hmm. You can't just sit there and play blackjack without putting a wager first. They tell you how much are you going to bet, and you have to put it down 125. Okay, there it is. You're not going to lose any more than that. Well, in trading, nobody's telling you these limits. You can put up 125 on cross, go scam with the other way and get liquidated for your whole stack. Mm -hmm. Nobody's self-governing that. At least at the casino, you would have only lost the 125. And then you would have had to have forced yourself to do it a second time and a third time and a fourth time. You actually, they're teaching you a better lesson. In trading, it could be one and done for all you got. You can get felted immediately for your entire life savings. Mm -hmm. Imagine what that could do to someone's psyche or mental health or lifestyle and then trying to recover from that without a plan and actual trading skill, you don't have a chance. You're just, I mean, I feed off of you every day. Yeah, no, that's why I, like when I'm margin trading, it's a very, very, it's like a couple, couple hundred dollar um, positions because I know that I'm not ready to step it up yet. Maybe one day I will be, maybe one day I won't. So I do take that into consideration and I do, you know, I never, I never trade more than I can afford to lose. Like I have a set amount that I trade with and if that's, and that's it. And if that gets wiped out, then I have to do some, some deep thinking and think about where I'm going to get that money to start investing again. And you know, what am, how am I going to go about it to make sure I don't get liquidated or, you know, whatever, whatever the reason is. Um, sure. So with leverage trading, people always are asking, they're always, they always say what, what leverage, or I don't know, there's no real answer to that per se, other than, um, you know, you'll know as your skill develops where you belong. But what I like to tell new people, they always, they, they want to have a high leverage position. I know they do. So I'm like, okay, look, if you want to do that, the only way I will kind of basically approve of it, you'll get my stamp to an extent, is I tell them to enter a position on extremely low leverage. Um, so you're at 1x, 2x tops. There's where you enter. If you're wrong, 
you're you're not going to go down by a ton of you know percentage lost before you're stopped out it's going to be very minuscule mm -hmm. if you're right allow the trade to leave your entry by a decent amount and then throttle the leverage up to your whatever you want and then there you go now you have a high leverage position your stop could be brought up to break even and you're protected from yourself and you can get your endorphins off the way you think you need to to be high leveraged i don't personally get that feeling anymore it doesn't do it for me to have to need the high leverage position like that mm -hmm. i i found myself almost um you have to reverse fomo okay people fomo when couple things are happening. Either they're in a really high leverage position. So again, the endorphins are going off or they see these massive pumps happening, these huge wicks. Okay. These things, the FOMO, they just not, I don't, I'm not a, I don't know, shrink type of doctor that deals with that kind of shit, but it just happens to us naturally. Like it's just, it's crazy and you can't help it. And I understand it and that it's something, it's just like a drug. People literally are getting off on this shit. So I, I don't feel that type of FOMO anymore. I used to, so I know what they're feeling. I understand from my early years what it is so I can relate to your feeling. But I also know now that I don't feel that anymore. What I, when I FOMO, when my heart starts pumping and my palms get sweaty, and I get all excited and jittery is when my D pattern completion zone is in sight and my oscillators are lining up on multiple time frames, um, on significant time frames at crucial support resistance areas. That's when I start jittering. Reverse FOMO. That's okay because you're entering at a very low risk position like low risk high reward area mm -hmm. you it, if you continually do that the amount of times you're going to get hurt are being very limited yeah a few are still going to go wrong but you're really limiting the downside and increasing the upside which if plays out correctly you're that's how you get off I'll tell you, you, you guys think you're getting off on those scam wakes, but I'll show you how to really get off when <laughs> you're entering on that kind of shit and it goes your way. And that's how you can really enter with some weight because you've really put the edge in your favor. That's when you've kind of, you'll know, you'll, you'll just kind of know, all right, I've turned this all around. I'm at a whole new place. I never felt this way before. It'll, you'll just know. <laughs> right. So I have, I've got, um, I think one more question for you. We actually kind of, you kind of touched on it, but what is, I guess, what is the best type of advice you can give to someone that wants to get into trading? Something that like just a little tip or just like maybe like a book or um, um, maybe paper trade, like paper trading. Like, I don't know, just what, what kind of tip would you give yourself all those years back when you first started trading? Geez, that's a good, pretty good question. Um, for one, definitely the over leveraging kills the new people. So right there, you gotta cut that shit out immediately. Um, 
do not over leverage. Um, another thing people want to do is they want to enter with their entire stack. And I don't know why, but they just have this, they just have to do it. I, I, I don't know. I can't explain it, but as soon as they do it, it's like you can almost guarantee, even if they're at a decent entry area, you could almost guarantee that the price is going to go down another couple percentage points from there. So it's almost like what I would tell them is like, look, come up with your plan while you're new. You're going to come up with your entry area and you're going to come up with your stop. Well, your stop is actually your entry area. Mm. So put your, put your, put your stop loss, you know, your risk to reward kind of uh, tool, lay it out where you like do your trade, right? Lay that out. And then take a second one and drop it where, you know, your old stop is now your new entry with that, have a stop off of that one. And that's a better trade. I agree with you on that. I really do. One of the things, one of the things that I do is I try to get it, get like I'll stack buys when I want to enter into something. So at least I have like my risk is it helps with the risk. So that yeah, works. that's definitely, that is what I would say is dollar cost averaging is layering. That's mm -hmm. the kind of dollar cost averaging that I recommend. I don't recommend the buy every Friday paycheck one. <laughs> There's no method to that. That's madness. You could just, I don't know, do it if you want, but I've never done that. Um, so yeah, by layering in, it's just averaging your position out somewhere in a happy medium. But yeah, I mean, ultimately most people's initial instinct of where to enter is, is never right. That's the retail entry. We're all hunting the liquidity, which is your stop, which you know, that should be your actual entry. Um, so I don't know, I would say that for new people, don't enter with the full stack because where you entered, again, we're going to drop from there to your stop and you're out of bullets. So you can't, you can't average in, you can't, you can't really do anything. You're, you're just at mercy of your stop getting hunted. Now you start moving the stop further away. You just lost even double what you should have initially. And you just repeat it until you're out of money. No, that all makes sense. And that's actually, I like what you said about um, the risk reward tool that actually, you know, made, set one up and then set another one up where your stop actually is and then take, consider taking that trade instead. I think that that's a, actually a great idea. Not only do that, but whatever your initial leverage was on that first one, drop it by one. So if you were going to enter that first trade at 3x, you know, take our, our risk reward tool, drop it and drop your leverage from the three down to the two. Do both of those things. I think that's, yeah. a, that's, prob that's probably the best advice that I've been given on this show so far. So thank you. Um, so before we get going, first and foremost, thank you so much for coming on. I actually learned a lot from you and I appreciate your time. Um, but is there anything that you wanna show the audience? Do you have like a discord that people can go hang out in or can people follow you on Twitter? Like what, what do you want to, to leave? Um, yeah, you guys could just follow my Twitter. It's uh, at HyperBitcoins. Um, plenty of shit posting, a few charts in the middle of all of it. And that's pretty much what you're going to get. 
following that. But um, yeah, I'm good right there. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on. Have a good rest of your day. All right, for sure. You too. Talk to you later. Thank you, guys.